0: Happy Easter. You're like, it's not Easter. Yes, it is. We're in Easter season. Uh, It's about a 40-day period here now that we're going to start focusing on Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. Yes, Jesus starts making post-resurrection appearances to assure people who are doubters. That's us. And we're going to be looking at one of these characters right now. His name is uh, Thomas. He's known as Doubting Thomas, but... I kind of hope from the passage today that we're going to see him not necessarily as doubting Thomas, but honest Thomas, and a courageous person who is actually real with what he was thinking and feeling, and that's the exact place and time that Jesus meets you and meets me as in our doubt. Um, anyone familiar with Meetup? Had the online presence called Meetup. We, we, as a church, we have an online presence there um, on Meetup. Some people, um, some of you have found us, found the Table Church through Meetup. Um, but basically, um, in 2002, the, the founder w- was wanting to come up with an online way of meeting his neighbors there in New York City after the 9 11 attacks. And so that's how Meetup got started. And so now it's used in 180 different countries. There's 35 million users. There's 225 different groups. But the whole point is to have an in-person, local interaction with each other because community is deteriorating, and we look for it in all sorts of places. And so I want you to start thinking of meeting up with Jesus during... Your uh, work week, during your life, and this is exactly what Jesus is doing here with these disciples during this 40-day period, is he's having a meet-up with them, if we can say it that way. He's meeting up with them. And um, what we're going to see in this story is that we're all doubters. It's not just Thomas, but we're all doubters. And the second thing we're going to see is that Jesus is a safe place for doubters. So let me read the story, and we'll get started found in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, "'We have seen the Lord.' But Thomas said to them, "'Unless I see the nail marks in his hands "'and put my finger where the nails were "'and put my hand into his side, I will not believe.'" we read this story, and we see ourselves in this story. We, we see ourselves having conditions, and if you meet those conditions, and if you do it verbatim, and if you do it in this time frame, then we will believe. That's just normal. That is part of our humanity. And so we pray that you would help us be all the more real with what we're going through, what we need, and that through that we would truly indeed meet you, and that we would experience you showing up in our lives to minister to us in our doubt. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Most of us are familiar with Caravaggio's uh, Doubting Thomas painting. You've seen this, it was painted in 1600-ish, and uh, if you haven't seen this, just Google it, it's amazing, but what I find fascinating about this is how... Caravaggio depicts all of the other disciples basically watching Thomas. As, so they want to see Thomas see the scars. They've seen it the week prior, as our text just said. Thomas wasn't there, though. Many of us feel the same way. Um, I've never seen Jesus. I would certainly believe in Jesus if I saw him. Would you? Um, I would certainly believe Jesus if Jesus or God answered my prayer in this way. Um, So we're all doubters. We are those people. We need to taste it. Do we not? We need to feel it. We need to touch it. That is part of our humanity. God gave us these senses. You can't just tell me that the best ice cream here in San Francisco is about three blocks from here, here in Hayes Valley. I need to go walk there. You're wondering. I'll go ahead and tell you. Smitten. Sorry. Smitten ice cream, my opinion. I, who I am, I need to walk there. I need to enjoy the walk there, wondering. I need to be curious about it. I need to let that part of my God-given humanity take me exactly where it's going to take me. This is the same curiosity that led Mary Magdalene to the empty tomb. We found last week, as we're looking at this empty tomb, that they came running. They were curious. This is exactly who you've made to be. This is your intellectual side of who you are. This is your rational being. This is your emotional being. These are the senses that God has given us whereby we meet our creator and we grow in that relationship with God. The Greek word for doubt, uh, distasio, distasio, is to to hesitate, is to be a little uncertain. It doesn't mean to disbelieve. When someone's doubting, it doesn't mean that they, oh, that person is disbelieving. Um, it, it's not a rejection of belief, but it's holding belief with uncertainty. And dare we say, as Westerners, that gets a little uncomfortable for us. How, how can we have belief but yet not be absolutely certain about every single thing all the time? And there's the opportunity for us is to realize that we, we, we believe And we have questions. And both of those are happening simultaneously. That's where the relationship with Jesus really starts growing. How many of us have ever said, unless God shows himself to me in this way, fill in the blank, I don't know if I can believe in God. I don't know that I believe that God is good unless God gives me the wife of my dreams or gives me the husband that I'm looking for, gives me the roommate that I deserve or helps me get into this school or helps me get that promotion at work. This is quite normal for all of us and I'll just share a couple of my doubts right now if that's safe. I think it's safe. I'm with you. I'm human. I'm processing my own faith and growing in my relationship with Jesus. And Two of the very poignant, real, raw Things for me in in, in doubting uh, God is, is just having the uns, you know, the, the certainty that God is going to provide. And it's almost embarrassing to, to hear oneself say that. Because of all the times I've I've personally witnessed how God has provided. Journal entry upon journal entry, memory upon memory, conversation upon conversation about wow, you wouldn't believe how God did this, but let me tell you the story. And now I'm in another season and chapter of my story where I'm needing that again. And there's doubt. And there's doubt because I just don't know how it's all going to happen. We feel timid for asking God again. We feel doubtful that we'll be thankful. We feel doubtful that... um, it's not going to happen in the time frame or in a way that we can imagine it. Another doubt I have is just when we were just singing about God's goodness, that God is a good, good father. I, I believe that with all my heart. Yet in a world full of injustice and more killings this week, more senseless murders, I I do believe. I pray, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Um but I want to see justice. I don't want to see people hurting. And so I live in a world, and you live in a world, where where we doubt, how can God be both good and powerful at the same time? If God is powerful, one may think, why can't God just wipe it all out very quickly? Um, And yet, if God is good, why, why does God linger? Why does God wait? Those are just a couple of mine that are, are, are there. John, our gospel writer, um, he, he says, we've, we've seen the crucified Lord. We, we, we saw him. We heard him. We, we interacted with him. We, we, we had food with him. We, we walked on the face of this earth with him for three years. We, we knew him. We knew him. And I want you to imagine seeing your best friend tortured, arrested, murdered. And then there's stories about that best friend who might be walking around now. Is it true? Is he a ghost? What's going on? Is this all in my imagination? And that's what this story is really saying is that here at Easter, these apostles were gathered together sitting in a locked room. Did you hear that part? They're in a locked room, and Jesus shows up. I mean, I don't know what you would do if you were in that locked room and Jesus just appeared. Put yourself in that story. Some of us literally would just jump out of the window. Some of us would just run, like cut and run, like, oh my gosh, this is way too weird, I'm out of here. Uh, others of us perhaps would just literally fall, fall down and just like face down, worship like that fast. Uh, others of us just would maybe just start weeping, like no words at all to say. Um, Jesus shows up and honest Thomas wasn't there. When Jesus shows up, shoot. Man, he, he wasn't there. And if you start thinking about the story, you might say, well, whatever he was doing, whatever errand that was, or what, whatever was going on, oh well, he missed Jesus. Should have been there. Should have been there. Um, it's not how the story unfolds. Verse 25, l- look at these conditions. These non-negotiable terms in believing that, that Thomas has. Verse 25, Unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And just to be straight up here, we want to say that the table church is a safe place for doubt and for doubters and questions and skeptics and processing your faith. And why is that? Because we are those people. We are those people. Let's move on here to the second big point that we see in our past. Jesus is a safe place. It's not just our church. It's not even that you are necessarily this great, safe person, although you may be, for someone to process their faith with. But it's Jesus who's this safe place for doubters. Keep in mind that certain places, whether it was your family of origin a teacher, a coach, an organization that you've ever been a part of or been a leader in, Uh, there are certain cultures, aforementioned, that it's just not a safe place to have doubts. I remember uh, raising some questions as a teen in a church that I was a part of and literally was told by one of the leaders, "Um, we don't ask those questions around here. Yikes. Sorry I asked any questions. Um, again, you may have been a part of a family of origin. You may have been a part of a, hey, don't rock the boat. Don't ask any questions. This is just the way we do it. Get in line. And I, I want you to see that our leader, Jesus, our risen Savior, the King of all the nations, does not interact with us in that way. Jesus comes to us. He isn't threatened by our doubts. He's never threatened by our doubts. He, he's even eating with these disciples in one of the Gospels here after his resurrection, where he makes them fish tacos. I mean, it's amazing. He's very, he's very earthy, and he, he understands you in your doubts. So, so it's not that Jesus needs to grow more compassionate in dealing with us in our doubts. The invitation, rather, is, could you and I just grow up a little bit and just like be real a little bit and be honest kind of a little bit more with God? And with Jesus. And yet our fear is well, if I do, I, when I was honest with, with my parent in that way during that one time, or well, when I tried to be that way with my boss that one time, whew, that sure didn't go well. Mm. God is so different. Jesus is so different here. Jesus doesn't say um, to Thomas, We need to talk. Thanks for doubting me. What a loser. We need, we need to sit down and have a talk here. Um, that's not the way Jesus is doing it here. Or, or have a little faith. Thomas, come on. Walked with you for three years, and this is what it comes down to. Jesus um, actually comes back the following week. He, he intends to meet Thomas right where he's at. So Jesus, passage says, he comes back. He appears to his disciples. He walks through the locked door and says, boo, no. He says, Peace, peace be with you. Not a feeling of peace it has gone tomorrow and depending on how the news is going and your social media platforms and what the feed says, but I am the embodiment of peace, Jesus says. I am beside you, I'm above you, I'm below you, I'm in you. This type of peace can't be taken away from you. Jesus is basically saying in your Worst or deepest doubts. And I want you to right now take a journey through your own memory bank, your own emotional filing cabinet there. When was your worst moment? When was that moment for you when you and I said to ourselves and perhaps said to God, I can't handle it? Basically, quoting the psalmist that says, The waters have risen almost above my neck and I can't breathe. Where are you, God? Think back with me. Think about your own memory there. And Jesus is basically, in showing up again to Thomas, is saying, even in that moment, you can't stop me from loving you. Your worst doubts, deepest doubts, as deep as they may go, isn't more powerful than my resurrection power. My resurrection power pursues you. So see the patience and grace of Jesus that He comes back to visit Thomas. He doesn't shame him, and verbatim, He matches every one of Thomas's conditions. Do you notice, though, that Thomas doesn't even take him up on the offer? Did you catch that in a passage? He, not like He says, "Touch here and put your hand here," and Thomas, you know, like trips over himself to actually do it. He doesn't even do it. It's a wonderful invitation, and it was a true invitation the true imitation uh, but yet thomas upon seeing the risen jesus he's compelled to drop his conditions and that's what happens with you and with me is when is when i have a have a new experience with god where i see god as my provider as i see god a god who's full of justice and mercy and, and a good god in our world full of chaos i'm given faith I'm given belief by God. Verse 28, Thomas does this, he drops all of his conditions. And he says, My Lord and my God. He he addresses Jesus with the, as the same Lord and same God as was addressed in the Old Testament. Yahweh. Thomas is addressing him as King of the nations, God of all gods. You are my Lord. Jesus shows Thomas his wounds and his scars, and I've always been fascinated by this, that Jesus would actually still have scars. The resurrected Christ would have scars. What are they doing there? Why are those scars there? What is the purpose behind those scars? And I think it's, for us as Christians, really to give us a lesson, a visual. Remember how we're all sensual. We have different senses within us. And I think those scars are to remind us that becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you snap your fingers and you're done with all your your pain. You don't just snap your fingers and you're done with suffering. We don't snap our fingers and death is now over with. Hey, let's celebrate the resurrection. So glad there's no more death in the world. No. But the scars basically show us that he doesn't take away our pain. He heals it. He walks with us in our pain, and that is enough. Do you, do you feel that? It's, it's not just that I need and I cry out for the healing. It's I want my healer. I want the person of Christ. And basically, the scars of the show us that they won't kill you. Oh, they hurt. Oh, they wound us. And you can think right now of ways you've been wounded. Emotionally, physically, um, are ways that you or I have wounded other people. It's just that these wounds um, will be made beautiful. These scars will be redeemed. That's the promise that Jesus is making here. That I'm, Not only am I rising from the dead and triumphant over the grave and things like sickness and disease, but when I return to this earth, I'm going to redeem all things. So the resurrection is basically divine medicine to treat you wherever you hurt most, wherever it is. And for Thomas, he needed assurance. And wherever you need assurance right now, wherever it is, relationally or where you're going to live or how's this going to work out, that's exactly what I want to uh, conclude with here is a few applications, a few um, ways that you can, you and I can try this out. And the very first one is know your doubts. You've got to know them. You can't just say, you know what, I, I just, I don't really have any doubts. I'm good. My faith is strong. I'm a strong Christian. I'm in the Bible a lot, and I think I'm doing pretty good. Um, that's pretty phony, by the way. Um, the second one is, you know what? I just doubt the whole thing. I'm just going to shelve Christianity. I'm going to put God on a shelf and just it, categorically, I, just, I doubt the whole thing anyway. So um, either of those two caricatures don't work. And so my recommendation is to know your doubts. Know what they are. Spend some time in silent, quiet, reflective, contemplative time with God and um, and list them out, list those out. The second thing I, I recommend is just honest praying, honest praying. Basically, praying things like, "Lord, whatever you have for me in this situation that I'm entering into, whatever." As frightful, as unknown, as ambiguous, as that even feels and seems, I trust you. What that basically means is I believe that you are competent. You are capable. You are smarter than me. You have more resources than me. You can network better than I can. You can provide better than I can. I'm going to rest in your plan. Basically, um, bring God your frustrations and your questions because He can handle it. That's what our prayer lives ought to sound like and look like. The third recommendation is to believe. To believe. Verse twenty nine. Jesus says, "Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed." Do you know what? Do you know what He's saying right there? You, you are blessed. You and I are blessed, and, and, and this belief that God has giving you to now express back to Him, keep walking in that. You know there's going to come a moment this very week where that belief is challenged. You know that's coming. And my question is simply, what would it mean if you and I really, really gave our lives in every situation over to the Lordship of Jesus? To trust Him in any of those moments? And the last recommendation is just breathing space. Just breathing space. Just, we need breathing space. You need to give yourself breathing space, basically a right or a freedom to have questions and doubts. And you need to give your friends the same space. Notice the disciples don't get frustrated with Thomas. Oh, come on, Thomas, we all believe. You just take our word for it. Come on. They gave Thomas space to get there in Thomas' own timeline. Verse 31, he says, these things were written so that we might believe. The recommendation is to read and discuss the word with a friend. Read and discuss the word with a friend. Meet up with someone for coffee or a walk. Walk. Talk about what you're learning. Talk about your doubts. Talk about what you're curious about regarding the Lord. And pray for each other. Give each other space. Let's approach God now in prayer with that safe, safe, safe space that God gives us. Let's pray. Father, make each of us feel the welcome of Jesus right now in our doubts. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace and patience in our doubts. And help each of us be honest about our doubts. Help us know our doubts. Help us believe you and trust you as Lord, King, and Savior. Lord, we acknowledge that we're not here by coincidence and even what we're going to step into this week, whatever it will be, that you've called us into that and we want to hear your voice. We want to see you. We want to experience you and your love and we pray that you would open our lives right now to receive you in that way. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus, amen.